Good morning, good morning, good morning. God bless you. God keep you as our prayer for you and your home and your families on today. I want to thank our podcast listening audience. Today is Saturday, April 10th, AD 2021. Welcome to our podcast entitled Crossroads, where our symbols are the interstate markings of Interstate 40, traveling east and west, and the interstate markings of Interstate 55, which travels north and south. It is here where north and south meet east and west. We're coming together at the epicenter and the center point. It is where our journey commences. It is the crossroads, where we discuss contemporary issues of interest with leading men and women in business and industry, politics and government, public safety, health and wellness, neighborhood and community development, education, and religion, where we discuss issues of criminal justice reform and the criminal justice system and the law. These and other issues of major concern are discussed and analyzed because they affect us as individuals, as groups, and as a nation. During this month, we have spotlighted, excuse me, uh, so many things that relate to black history and culture. And today, we're going to look at Christ's model for true leadership and servanthood. We need true leadership and we need to re-examine the model of Jesus Christ for leadership and servanthood. Our special thanks is being given uh, this morning uh, to our producer, Dr. Bruce Smith, co-owner of BBS Gospel Net, along with his wife, Dr. Victoria Smith. And without them, this podcast would not be possible. Thank you, Dr. Bruce and Dr. Victoria Smith. Also, I want to thank the podcast listening audience for your tuning in. And you can always inbox us with your questions, comments, and concerns. And if you like the podcast, hit the follow button and let somebody else know about crossroads. This nation is being bombarded with so many issues that confront us on a daily basis. We're dealing with so many crises. And today, we want to look at the state of the state of the church. Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. asked the question, where do we go from here? And I want to thank you as we began uh, this episode today of Christ's model for true leadership and servanthood. The background scripture that we will be using is St. John chapter 13, verses 3 through 20. I have not given any type of a sermonic uh, expression uh, since I've been on this podcast, but I think it is imperative that we go back and re-examine 
what the word of God has to say in times such as these. And I want to bring to you the state of the Christian church today because we are part of God's master plan and God's desire for you and I is to join with him in this work of the ministry. This is about our and not my stewardship. It's not a me, myself, and I uh, roll call. We are all servant leaders. And to each one of us, we have been given duties and responsibilities to be the best that we can be while we're here in the God realm, while we're here in the earth realm. I want to let you know today uh, that there is a word from the book of the law, the book of books, on today. Yes, God is doing a new thing based on his eternal plan to move us toward embracing our true identity. Unfortunately, many people in America don't even know who they are. They don't know that they are made in the image and the likeness of God. And so the church is not about us. This world is not about us as individuals. It's about him. It is about us putting our collective minds and our energies and our resources, our talents and our gifts and calling and the spirit of brotherhood and sisterhood together for the good of all mankind and for the edification of the body of Christ and for bringing lost souls into the kingdom, for families and for individuals and ministries to become spiritually and financially healthy as an association of brothers and sisters, an association of men and women, an association of Christian churches, and to become committed to making disciples through preaching, through teaching, through prayer and praise and fellowship, and to worship and to exercising of the gift of the Spirit. And in order for God to enlarge our territory, and we're always talking about enlarging our territories. We want our territories to be enlarged. Well, we must always stay focused on our mission by undertaking a mindset to be number one, positive. You can't stay positive around negative-minded people. There are some people who always see a glass half empty. They always see the worst in everybody, and the good in nobody. Negative people will pull you down. Negative people 
will infiltrate your mind, your spirit, your body. And if you're not careful, you will become negative-minded as well. But we ought to stay positive. For Paul writes in Philippians 4 and 8, Finally, brothers, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of a good report, if there is any virtue, and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Amen. The Bible tells us to meditate on the word of God both day and night, and you will remain positive in your outlook. The next thing that we have to do in undertaking a mindset is that we've got to be committed committed, not half-hearted. Don't put some of your mind and heart and soul and strength into what you're doing, but be fully committed. Galatians 6, 6 through 9, one who is taught in the word must share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever one sows, that will he also reap. The one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. And there are too many flesh and earthly minded people, even in Christianity, who are always thinking about themselves only. Fleshly minded. But one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. The Spirit produces life, and he produces eternal life. And let us not be weary of well-doing, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So therefore, let us keep moving forward. One of the biggest problems with the church is the inability to move forward. We always want things to remain the same. How many times have you known of people who have left a particular church or a particular location and when they come back, they marvel at how things have stayed the same for the last 15, 20, 25, or 30 years. Singing the same old 25-year-old songs. A deacon praying that same 25-year-old prayer has rehearsed it so much that everybody in the congregation can pray it with him. Preacher preaching that same 25-year-old message that he's been preaching for 20, 25 years, taking the same text week 
after week and year after year. So we are not to stay still. We are to be committed to moving forward. Not only that, let us be joyful. First Thessalonians 5 and 16 says, be joyful always. Don't let nothing or nobody steal your joy. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. And you are to be strong in him and in the power of his might. Let nothing separate you from the love of God. Paul says in Romans 13, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger of sword? He says, are these things to separate us? Are these things are to keep us out of our churches, away from our congregations? There is no substitute for live service. There is no substitute for laying on of hands. There is no substitute for baptism and the Lord's Supper. There is no substitute. I don't care how much Facebook, how much Zoom, how much Google Meet and other mediums that we employ. David had it right when he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. And you know, I remember when the Ark of the Covenant was lost and it had been recovered. Oh, didn't David dance? I tell you, David was so overjoyed until his clothes came out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. When the Spirit of the Lord hits you, amen, there is nothing greater, amen, that can clothe you than his Spirit. But what should separate us from the love of Christ? Paul says, no, absolutely not. No trouble, no hardship, no persecution, no famine, no nakedness or danger or sword. In other words, are we so afraid of corona that corona has corrupted us to the point that we have fled our first love? But Paul says, no, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than conquerors. We are not some flighty individuals that retreat at the first sign of trouble. He who seeks to save his life will lose it, but he who loses his life for my sake shall gain it. Oh, I want to tell you today, let nothing separate you from the love of God. I'm convinced, he said, I'm persuaded that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, 
neither present nor the future, nor any powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. He says it all. Amen. Either you are with him, you are committed all of the way, or you are taking advantage of an opportunity when things are fair weather. Remember, there is the other side of truth. Not only that, but we must be prayerful. The greatest thing that we have been given is the power of prayer. Amen. Prayer is God's way for us to stay in constant communication with him. And he says to pray without ceasing, for we know that the prayers of the righteous avail in much. Prayer is the key to the kingdom and faith unlocks the door. Listen, I've heard people say some things like, brother, I'm praying for you. And I say, okay, well, let's pray. You see, telling me that you are praying for me is not praying for me. It's only making a statement, but it is not exercising the faith and the power of prayer. So when we come together, touching and agreeing on that need to be met, then Jesus said, whatsoever two or three are gathered together and touch and agree in my name, there I am in the midst. So we are to be prayerful. Not only that, but let us also be grateful. First Thessalonians 5 and 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. We are not thankful enough. We can't come on a prayer line. We can't offer prayer without having a laundry list of things that we want the Lord to do for us. And many times, we never express our gratitude unto him. But Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances, whether you're up or whether you're down, during the good times as well as the bad. For this is the will of God in Christ for you. Be, great, be grateful that he has kept you and never left you. And he has positioned you for Christ in ministry and Christ in service at a time such as this. If there's ever a time where the Lord needs you, it's right now. If there's ever a time for men and women of faith and of the cross to stand up and be counted, it's right now. This is not a time to retreat. This is not a time to get behind closed doors. This is not a time to surrender and to throw in the towel and talk bold and big behind closed doors on Facebook, on Google Meet, Facebook Live, Zoom, and all of the other mediums. The time is right now for you to stand in your pulpit, pastors and preachers, and declare, for God I will live, and for God I will die. Oh, yes. This is our time to be grateful. Last but not least, let us commit to being healthy. 
God wants us off life support. Too many of our churches are drowning. The very people that we are supposed to be helping to get them out of the sea of sin. We are drowning ourselves. We're on life support. We're in ICU. And we got to get off life support and get off and out of ICU. The third epistle of John, verse 2 says, Beloved, I pray in all things that ye may prosper in all things and be in health just as your souls prosper. Amen. I want to let you know a healthy tree produces healthy fruit, and healthy churches will produce a healthy people. John said in John 15, 5 and 8, 5 through 8, I am the vine, ye are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he is like a branch that is thrown away and withered. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burn. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatsoever you wish and it will be given you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I want to tell you, we have got to be fruitful and follow Jesus' model of leadership and servanthood. This is Crossroads. And as a pastor, leader, and servant, I'm issuing a call for each individual church, each individual pastor and minister, missionary, Through 20. In our text, these verses prior to this one indicate that Jesus knew that his time for the cross was imminent. He is preparing to go to Calvary, and he knows that soon after that, he will be going back to the Father. His disciples still don't fully understand the real meaning of the kingdom of God. And many Christian believers today don't fully understand the full meaning. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. These disciples had been debating and arguing over who was to assume the leading position in Christ's government when he took over the kingdom. But he knew that within 24 hours, he would be arrested.
to meet the needs of others. What did Jesus do? Jesus pushes back from the table. He removes his garment. He wraps a towel around his waist. He takes a wash basin. He kneels at the first apostle's feet. He removes the apostle's sandals and he begins to wash the apostle's feet. He who spoke the worlds into existence, the creator of the universe, king and master, performing a low-down, dirty, nasty, filthy chore of washing the feet of 12 men, fingers that form the foundation of the world was now washing and drying toes, fingers that wrote the Ten Commandments on tablets of stone, stooped down and scooped up clay and anointed a blind man's eyes with feel the pain of spikes in his hand. Oh yes, the same hand that fashioned the galaxies of the universe now cleanses away all traces of filth and grit from his disciples. His spirit was heavy, but his heart was light in showing the greatest example of servanthood. The task of feet washing was relegated to a servant. And in fact, the lowest slave one could find. Eleven set of feet. Twenty-two of them would soon get up and desert him in his hour of need. Only the feet of John would remain steadfast with him. The same hand uh, that would dry feet would have nail holes in both of them. Lips that smile at them would be black and blue from beating and parched from thirst. My brothers and sisters, take a short retrospective view, if you would. What king, what potentate, what emperor? Is this what King uh, Prince Philip of England did? What conqueror or general would stoop down and wash the feet of his subject? Yet he kept washing. Oh, yes, knowing that Judas had become a traitor and a thief, and his feet would soon hang lifeless from a tree in a field of blood. He didn't discriminate. My brothers and sisters, we're talking about true example of leadership and servanthood. Jesus said, I didn't come to be served, but I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. How many of us today can really say that we are truly giving our lives for the many? I wonder today if the Lord would grade us 
like we who were teachers graded our students in the many different subjects. If he graded us on evangelism, if he graded us on discipleship, if he graded us on teaching and learning and education, if he graded us on our giving, on our tithes and our offerings, if he graded us on how we love those who hated us and despitefully treated and mistreated and misused us, what would our report card reflect about our servanthood and our responsibility as a Christ man? What would our report card look like? Would we have any A's or B's or C's or D's? Or how many F's would we get? I want to let you know, my brothers and sisters, how many of you remember and see the beautiful picture of the mission of Christ, the Son of God? as he rises from his position at the right hand of God. He who spoke the world into existence willingly lays aside his glory so that he might gird himself with the humble covering of humanity, then offers himself as the very greatest of the sacrifices for humanity. My brothers and sisters, why are we in retreat? Why are we in panic mode? Why are we talking about we are waiting on the Lord? You're going to wait yourself to death because he lives from eternity to eternity when he's waiting on us. He's waiting on us to rise up and speak for him. He's waiting on us to speak the oracles of truth. Oh, can we be who we say we are as we glorify him with examples of leadership and servanthood? Yes, my brothers and sisters, I want to thank God for you on today. As we see that beautiful picture of his mission, as we see him giving up, the royal diadem, the scepter, and the robe that he had in glory to clothe himself in humanity. Oh, he is coming to offer himself as the very greatest of sacrifices for humanity. And if he can do it for us, what are we doing for others? He who washed feet willingly and proudly to have men and women who would he call his apostles and disciples. Yes, he washed their feet, but then he got to Peter, and Peter objected. We don't know why he objected. Peter did some things 
spontaneously. He said some things spontaneously. Out on the Mount of Transfiguration, where it was Peter, James, and John, he said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. Now let us build three tabernacles, one for Moses, one for Elias, and one for thee. The disciples, other disciples say he spoke and said that because he didn't know what else to say. And I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, there are times when we ought to speak and there are times when we ought to be silent. When God is speaking, when Jesus is speaking, let the whole earth remain silent. And then when Jesus speaks, he'll tell us, go ye into all of the world, teach and to preach. You don't need to hear anything else from him about you waiting on him. He called you. You say he called you. If he called you, he commissioned you. And if he commissioned you, he equips you. Amen. So we see Peter objecting. We don't know what was in Peter's heart. Don't Peter mind. Yet Jesus takes this opportunity to give an explanation, an illustration, and a challenge to his disciples. The prerequisite for consecrated service for every follower, every disciple, and every servant of the Lord is to be washed and be clean. Jesus says, if I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. I want to ask you today, have you been washed? Have you been cleansed? Have you been made whole? Oh, thank you right now. Thank you for the washing of the Lamb of God. Before you and I, before you and I can serve Christ through the leadership of the Holy Spirit, one must be made a part of Jesus Christ. And yet before one can become a part of Jesus Christ, he or she must be washed and cleansed by Christ. Washing is a metaphor for salvation. Sadly, there are many who call themselves Christian who are trying to serve. There are many who are trying to follow Yeshua, Jesus the Christ. Many trying to lead. Many trying to preach. Many trying to teach. Many trying to prophesy. Many trying to anoint. Many trying to lay on hands on others. Many trying to pray for others. Many trying to minister unto others. Many trying to cast out devils. Many, I say many, who have never been washed, that is, they have not been sanctified and set apart by the Savior himself, nor made clean through the blood 
of the Lamb. Our self-righteousness cannot cleanse us. Our denominations or non-denominationalism cannot cleanse us. Our family names cannot cleanse us. Our social status cannot cleanse us. Our political affiliation cannot cleanse us. We can't keep our feet clean for Jesus Christ. He gives us power to be a little cleaner as the days go by. For every day with Jesus is sweeter than the day before. For John 1 and 9 says that we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us and to purify us, to wash us and to make us whole from all unrighteousness. My brothers and sisters and my friends, I tell you that Jesus is in the washing and cleansing business. And he has put us in that business. He told his disciples, follow me, and I'll make you vicious of me. I know you've been catching fish, but I want you to catch me. He wants to cleanse feet and hearts and minds and souls as he kneels before each of us. Oh, what a God, what a mighty God we serve who will bow down before us and wash our feet and cleanse us and make us whole. How can we not love him and cherish him and follow him and say, Lord, here I am. If you need somebody, here I am, send me. He's kneeling before you today. He does not come to condemn us, but to save us and purify us. Whatever we've been out doing, something we ought not to have done, or something we ought not to have said, and we're covered with the dirt of the world, and our secret sins is Jesus' desire and his job to remove them from us. He washes all of our sins away. Even when we question him like Peter did, he promises never to leave us nor to forsake us. And he also reassures us. Jesus watches us, knowing that in our future, he knows our past. He knows our present. He knows our future. He knows we will go AWOL, we'll go AWOL. He knows we will be deserters. He knows that we will be backsliders. And he knows that some will betray him. He knows that in our times of trials and testings and temptations, that we will fail him again and again and again. That's why he's not a God of a second chance, but he's a God 
of another chance and another chance. And yet, in spite of all of our shortcomings, he continues to believe in us. He says to Peter, Satan desires to sift you as fruit. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. Yes, Jesus prayed for us that our faith fail not. And he says, Peter, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. That's why we are here as servants. That's why we are here as disciples to strengthen our brothers. He continues to believe in us. If you believe also in me, he says, believe in the Father who sent me. After the foot washing, Jesus challenged his disciples with these words in John 13 and 14. Now that I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus is asking churches and pastors and ministers and evangelists missionaries, presidents and deans and youth leaders and music ministries, laymen and women, apostles and prophets, whatever your gift and calling is to go out, find somebody else who is dirty, somebody who's grimy and smelly, somebody who is unwashed, somebody that has betrayed you, somebody that has wronged you, somebody that has hurt you, and somebody that has lied on you, and like Jesus, forgive them and offer them Christ's plan of salvation. And we have been fully forgiven, so must we fully forgive. There may be somebody in here on this line today, somebody in our listening audience, that has been hurt by a past relationship, hurt by a failed marriage, hurt by a nasty divorce, hurt by strain from relationship and kinship. I challenge you right now at this very hour, this very day, to forgive as Jesus forgave. I challenge you to leave as Jesus led, to serve as Jesus served, to go as Jesus went, and to live as Jesus lived. Yes, they forsook him and fled and lived in fear. Yet he came back to them. His forgiveness continued after his death, even though they had failed him and deserted him. Their feet were still clean, and they would walk later on with boldness, yet in humble submission through the Holy Spirit. Jesus modeled my brothers and sisters as I come to a close today. His model for true leadership and servanthood did not stop with the upper room experience, but it died on the cross between two thieves 
with the ultimate example of submitting to the will of the Heavenly Father. Look what Jesus did for them and for us. He was an example for them and for us. He humbled himself for them and for us. He exemplified meekness and forgiveness for them and for us. He showed them and us the practical application of biblical truth that God is love. He counseled them and us in the ways of godliness. He addressed them and addresses us when we are hypocrites. He encouraged them and us by promising and giving his joy. This joy that the world can't give and the world can't take it away. My brothers and sisters, Romans 14 and 1, we are to receive one another. Romans 12 and 10, be kindly affectionate to one another. Romans 14 and 19, we are to build up, encourage that he is to edify. Romans 15 and 1, there with one another through long suffering. Romans 15 and 10, we ought to please one another, and that is to be agreeable in love, because love hides a multitude of faults. Romans 15 and 14, admonish one another, that is to caution out of love. And James 15 and 16 says, we ought to pray for one another. And to be elevated in the eyes of God is to descend in humility to serve others that God might elevate us in the presence of others. To be elevated before others is humble I was there. Jesus' humble love stooped to wash his disciples' feet, has stooped to clean us and wash us from the dirt of our daily sin in the fountain filled with blood. So that our attitude is changed to forgiveness and to serve others in this present age in humble love. As I close tonight, I want you to know that if we are to be servants of the Most High, we must move by faith. For by faith, Abel offered God a better sacrifice than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as a righteous man when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, he still speaks, even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that 
He did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. But before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he is. And that he is the reward of those who diligently seek him. By faith, when Noah was warned about things not yet seen, in holy fear built an ark to save his family. By faith, he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. Mm -hmm. Abraham, by faith, would call to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Yeah, by faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents and did Isaac and Egypt. Isaac and Jacob, who I had with him, of the same problem. For he was looking forward to the city with foundation uh, whose architect and builder is God. Mm -hmm. By faith, Daniel moved from his house to a den full of hungry lions rather than stop praying to his God. He had more faith in his creator than the fear of his creation. Faith brought him out of the lion's den. And by faith, the three Hebrew boys moved into a fiery furnace and they bowed down and worshiped and idled God. And by that same faith, they came out of that fiery furnace. By faith, Peter moved from rowing a boat uh, to walking on water. By faith, Saul moved from being a church persecutor to a church preacher. By faith, he moved from being caught up in the law to being caught up in the spirit. By faith, he moved from being called Saul to being called Paul. <clears throat> By faith, a man who had been lame for 38 years moved from a state of impossible to a state uh, of incredible. Mm -hmm. By faith, a thief on the cross moved from being a convicted criminal to a pardoned convert. By faith, Jesus commended his spirit to his father on Friday. By faith, his body was committed to the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. By faith, he preached to the dead uh, in the Bahra tomb. And I want to tell you, my brothers and sisters, by early on the third day morning, that same spirit that he commended to his father, his father gave back to him. He moved from the dead back to the living, declaring, I am he that was dead, but before, behold, I am alive forevermore. Oh, yes, uh, he went uh, into the grave. But before he went, he said, Father, forgive them, 
for they know not what they do. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. Then he gave up the ghost and died. And I want to let you know because he lives. And does anybody here know that he lives? Because he lives. Not only can I face tomorrow, but I can face my right now. Because he lives. Yes, we have come this far by faith. Leaning on the Lord. Trusting in his holy word. He's never failed me yet. Oh, thank God for Jesus. And I want to tell you today that God has blessed us all with a desire and an ability to acquire and gain new knowledge. Now look ahead and seek to answer the question about what are you going to do to answer your life call. The question is not why me, but rather the question should be, why not me? You have been empowered to act on your aspirations and your inspiration, on your gifts and on your talents, and on the vision you have divinely been given to produce more fruit. And in conclusion, I want to say that the word is go. You're going and your challenge to yourself is not only to just ask questions, but to answer the question of eternal life. Because you are a chosen generation. Go and bear fruit and make a difference in your neighborhood and bear fruit and serve and make a difference in your homes, and in your families, in your churches, in your community, wherever your hands and whatever they find to do, do that. Because you are a chosen generation. Go and produce fruit. Serve in prison. Serve in homeless shelters and on the street corners. Because you are a chosen generation. Go and produce fruit in foreign lands, among other cultures, and on distant shores. Go to the wealthy and go to the poor. Go that you become that difference maker and that game changer. For this is what being chosen for this present age is all about. And if you go and grow, you will never allow yourself to become complacent, overwhelmed, or discouraged. That is our thoughts for today. Christ's example of leadership and servanthood. This is Crossroads. I am Lee Adams, where north and south meet east and west. Thank you so very much for listening. Have a great day. And never let go of his hand. Thank you so very much to our producer on today, and to all our listening audience. May God's blessings be upon you, your homes, and your family. Godspeed.